Fueled by Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Order online for doorstep delivery. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton, your local leader in post-game Oilers analysis. In this episode, it's fueled by Temperance Spirits, the city's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Visit Temperance online for a curated section of non-alcoholic options. Choose from a variety of craft beers, mocktails, wines, and spirits. Temperance isn't just a retailer. It's a community of Edmontonians who celebrate the spirit of socializing without the need for alcohol. And with Temperance Spirits online shop, ordering your favorite non-alcoholic bevies right to your door is as easy as Connor scoring the winning goal. You can find our partners at Temperance online at www.temperance-spirits.com for delivery to your door. And use the code SDPN for 10% off your order at checkout. And give them a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Temperance Spirits. The NHL season's heating up, and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer home and Leon Dreisaitl anytime goal or ride the puck line with the Edmonton Oilers, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you're ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. Sign Up Expert is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sports books available in Canada, Batano. Batano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do to get started is scan that QR code on your screen or click the link in the description to register and place your first bet. If you thought Jack Campbell ending up on waivers was the best surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Botano. You heard the man. Don't walk. Run to check out Botano today. Scan that QR code or hit the link in the description below to get started. Start sweating your bets with the best. And always. All right, new era of Oilers hockey. We've gone from wood to the knob. Oilers win 4-1 over the New York Islanders. Dennis, how you feeling? You know what? It it sucks to see Woody go. I mean, we've talked about it in the past. It feels like the last little stretch was not his fault. But at the same time, it's a new era. We're here. There's no turning back. And it's a good way to start the knob era. I mean, obviously, it's the New York Islanders. <laughs> they're they're not the Rangers. They're not one of the best teams in the NHL. But a W is a W, and you, the Oilers secured it tonight. They won it in the way they absolutely had to. They had to win it, I felt like, on the backs of McDavid and Drysaddle, and that's exactly what they did. I want to say what's up, MGD. Been a while. Not Clay, obviously. Th- thank you for joining us. Uh, Ty, Lyndon, ton of people joining us in chat. We already got 34 people watching, only 8 likes. It just dwarfs in comparison to the San Jose loser bowl that we lasted together. Man, two games later, vibes are completely different. Obviously, still, honestly, we can get into the coaching change more because it's this is like the weirdest coaching change I can remember the Oilers ever having. Or like, I'm almost sad to see the guy go. Like, I could barely bring myself to watch the Chris Knobloch media interviews because I was just so sad. It felt so weird not seeing Jay behind the bench tonight. Um, but obviously, you know what? Results are results. And if this is how the Oilers are going to play, um, if this is how the Oilers are goalies are going to play in in Chris Knobloch's system, now obviously, pretty much nothing. You have to imagine this change. I don't even think they had a practice I mean, with Chris Knobloch. They had one practice. So I don't know how much of the system got changed. But it, I do like what knob had to say i'm we're already going to start calling him knob he he came in started talking to the guys and just welcomed them in right like hey you know what 
I'm, I'm not going to change everything. I'm not going to be a hard ass. We're just going to go out there. We're going to play hockey, fall in love again with playing hockey. And that gradually gets players confidence back. Right. One of the big things tonight was dry confidence came back in a big way. Yeah. You saw it. And, and you know what, that, how much of that was like, I, I don't, I can't attribute that to Chris Novel. I mean, you contribute that to is Leon goes out, has an excellent shift where he sets up a Vander Kane who just misses in the slot. They cycle him, Kane, and Hyman for a couple minutes. And then Dreisaitl snipes it from where he always snipes it on the rush, scores on Ilias Sorokin, one of the best goalies in the NHL. And just like that, Leon Dreisaitl's confidence was back throughout the game. He was, they were, he was actually connecting on passes. He was making a conscious effort in the defensive zone. He kept, he kept skating. There was never that, oh, over the blue line, I'm going to glide now. He constantly had his feet moving. He had three points tonight. He was one of the Oilers' best forwards. I thought a lot of their forwards had a decent game. Up until that, you know, 10 minutes left in the third period point. Really boring game, to be honest. The Oilers did not generate much offensively, but I will say... Uh, from from my perspective, Evan Bouchard and Matias Ekholm had their best game of the season so far. They looked excellent. I thought most of the Oilers' defense was a little bit more mobile. One thing I noticed, maybe one small change that I thought they made, and maybe this is me just picking up on something that's not there, but uh, a lot of times when the Oilers would start cycling in the offensive zone kind of below the net, they would get it up to the defenseman, and then he would usually either put a muffin on net or go across the blue line to the other partner who kind of remains in the other far corner, and he would put a muffin on net. But it looked like a couple times from a couple different pairs that when that guy at the top of the right uh, right point got it, the guy on the left would kind of make his way to the middle of the ice, and they would end up taking the shot from the middle a couple of times. You saw Kulak, uh, whether Deharnay, Bouchard, Ekholm, uh, even Cece do it. Uh, and, and then maybe that's something I want to say I noticed, and I kind of like that. I feel like you are able, if you do get the puck through, you are able to generate more from the middle of the ice because the Oilers were a high-volume shooting team uh, for a lot yeah. of these games. But, you know, how many of those shots were Darnell Nurse muffins from the top? Now, that's not something that Nobla has been, uh, they have completely snuffed out because there was a point in the second where on back-to-back shifts, Darnell Nurse, they had a sustained offensive zone pressure and Darnell Nurse kind of lobbed the muffin right into the goalie's crest and that kind of irritated two me a little bit. Tonight. But, you know? But like, here's the thing, right? You look, you mentioned how much of an effect it was. And I don't know if it's, it's knob. It might be Paul coffee. Cause this is again, another situation where you, you have a defenseman who maybe can relate to Bouchard, maybe can relate to what, you know, nurse has been called in the past. Paul Coffey was never a guy that was defensively stalwarted. He he was a very fast skater. He was able to get back in position. But a lot of the time, he was trying to contribute to the offense. And when you have someone maybe come in with that sort of mentality, right? This is the way that he used to play. It might take some of the pressure off of the defensive core versus like a Dave Manson, right? Dave Manson was a very shut down like i'm just gonna shut down the opponents that's that's it like that's my objective so it could be a shift in attitude but it wasn't it was one practice yeah paul coffee yeah, i yeah. think got to talk to everyone once so well, unless it was a he's been around vibe he's thing. been around and we could get into paul coffee's role and exactly like what he's doing there because is he the assistant coach 
Is he just a spy for ownership? Like, what exactly yeah, is going is. on? I loved him. I'm 95% sure he was wearing a Stanley Cup ring or one of his Stanley Cup rings on the ice tonight or, or behind the bench. That was a nice touch. Seeing him yelling at every uh, Oilers defender, just discussing. I don't want to say yelling, but just talking <laughs> to every Oilers player every time they cut to him on the bench was really funny to see. Uh, I don't know. It's just really weird looking at Paul Coffey standing behind the Oilers bench I, something I'm, I, I think will be tough to get used to I wonder how long he's going to be there though like is he there for the long term is he just there until uh what's his name uh oh my god I, I can't believe the I uh Noblaw uh Noblaw geez geez finds his own guy exactly exactly is that is that the case I don't know what's going on there but it, it's really interesting to see and again if the defense is going to play like this like I'm pretty happy overall with this game from the defense uh that i i thought um everyone played really well it one interesting thing that i noted and i saw people were kind of talking about this if you go look at the ice time now so it kind of changed throughout the game but if you look at the first period darnell nurse had the fourth highest ice time on the oilers he finished the game having the third highest ice time on the oilers uh cc cody cc actually led the oilers in ice time tonight and you know what yeah. I thought he had an excellent game. I haven't said that about Cody Cece in a long time, and he, but you know what? I was really happy with the way Cody Cece played. He got the puck out. He actually made a couple passes, which were few and far between. Obviously, again, I, I don't know how much of this stuff can be attributed to the actual new coach or just a different vibe in the dressing room. And obviously, they were sad to see Woody go. I think everyone, players included, right? So it's just really interesting to see. I like the new utilization of the defense here. Um, but yeah, I, but here's I thought the, the trust was different. It was it's just weird, but yeah. Is is it a situation where, right, that we saw during tons of timeouts, tons of intermissions, there was just this presence, right? Coffee was just in the player's ears trying to just point out little things. I, I don't know... None of the players seemed like they were getting an earful, right? They weren't getting yelled at. They weren't getting disciplined. It was a situation where he just reassured them a little bit, came in, said, you know what? Here's a couple things that maybe we can change up next time. And you're right, like Cody Cece. He, he got a lot of talking to from Paul Coffey, but he had a good game. And all in all, I think the ice time distribution in the uh, defensive core and uh, you know what, like, on the on the offensive side as well, like there was a decent amount of ice time for guys like Lavoie, for guys like Hamblin. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about this a little bit later as well. Dylan Holloway was unable to finish the game. Mm -hmm. Looks like he went into uh, the boards a little bit awkwardly. So there is a there's an odd situation there where you have another another player who was trying to pick up a little bit of steam. Like, obviously, Holloway last game against the Kraken had a goal. He's starting to come into it. You saw him really hustle, uh, putting himself into dangerous areas. But at the same time, though, like, this team has just these odd, odd situations where guys are getting hurt, guys are going down, and it's now all on the offensive side. Like, it, it's tough to pinpoint now what the next lineup's going to be. Like, who who do you call him next? Uh, I, that's the weird thing. I, I don't even know. I haven't even looked at, um, I haven't even looked at the, the cap situation. I don't even know if they can call anyone up. I imagine here, 
based on the way that they practice, he's kind of been around it. I imagine that Connor Brown will probably come back into the lineup. He's been at practice. He's been skating. Here's the situation too, right? Now you're, you're bringing in Connor Brown. The next game he plays is going to be the 3 million bonus game. And, well, you're going to have to do it eventually, but do you want to do it right away? Right? Dude, he was the captain in Erie for Chris Nabla. There is like zero chance that they're not giving Connor Brown this game. You know, dude, he hasn't played well. Signed his exactly. It's, <laughs> this is the Edmonton Erie Oilers. So essentially, he's getting that bonus, whether you think he deserves it or not. Let's just hope that he plays as good as he possibly can. And who knows, maybe under Chris Nabla, he turns into that. 50 point guy that we all believe that he could be in the off season. But uh, yeah, if Holloway's out for a long period of time, obviously didn't look good. Um, if anyone wants to watch the press conference and let us know if they give an update on, uh, on uh, Dylan Holloway during the press conference, that would be awesome. Cause again, I thought that line with him, McLeod and Fogle was awesome. Warren Fogle this season looks like a different player. He is constantly creating. He is faster than he was before he's a better puck handler than he was before the finishing is exactly the same but he's creating so much more for the people around him watching him cycle with mcleod and holloway especially tonight has been so much fun they it felt like they were out there in a consistent there were there was a way more of a rolling of the lines they were definitely creating mcleod looked like he was carrying the puck with more confidence there was a point where he generated a shorthanded or not a shorthanded a kind of a, a partial break where he partial took break, the yeah. shot missed the net and that's a problem with mcleod i feel like every time he gets one of those opportunities he is shooting it over the net but you know what as long as he's generating as long as there are guys in the Oilers lineup that are generating those chances and especially tonight they were few and far between so that was really nice to see um i was really happy with their play I wanted to touch on that as well. Like that that line, right, of McLeod, Fogelin, before he went down Holloway, Derek Ryan took his place afterwards. That line generated energy, right? You, I think one of the big turning points, you mentioned in the first period, second period, little bit of a snooze fest, right? Yeah. <laughs> one of the most boring games. So far. I think Fogel had a great, like a massive hit on Mayfield at the oh. end of the second. And that just you could feel the energy of the bench jump up a little bit more. And once the third started, third period was McLeod chance. Um, Gagne had chances. I think the eventually, well, I think it went 97 had a chance, like right off the bat. Evan Bouchard jumped 10 feet off the ice to grab the puck <laughs> out of the air, put it down, put it on 97's tape. And you could feel the luck finally turning. Now, again, this is one of those things like Woodcroft got insanely unlucky. Um, in Woodcroft's time here in the last 13 games, that Connor goal that he scored on that break on the second power play does not go in. But you could feel the vibes were different, and maybe that contributed to the energy. I don't know if they're lighter. I don't know if they're just coming out to play in hockey and saying whatever. I don't know if they felt the fire, felt the pressure. I don't know what it was. But the vibes were different tonight, and the luck changed. Skinner was consistent and i think that's honestly what it comes down to this is the thing that i saw a bunch of people making that joke online like oh chris no jay woodcroft should have done what chris nobla did chris nobla clearly came into edmonton told Stuart skinner to play better and look at what happened you know you but, gotta make saves Stu. <laughs> exactly jay woodcroft should have thought of that everyone everyone said that and you know what i saw a stony oil on twitter point out that 
the Oilers this year, when they get a 907 save percentage or better, are undefeated. Think about that. They have not lost a game in which their goalie has played to a 907 or better. And I I want to preface this before we start getting comments about, oh, look at these Oilers guys. They don't they don't know anything about the Islanders and how bad their offense is. We know, right? <laughs> the, the New York Islanders are not a dynamitely offensive, powerful team. They're not. But a win is a win. Mm-hmm. We're going to take that all the way to the bank. One of the situations that I will say, Skinner saved uh, 32? Yeah, it was 32 33, I think, yeah. 32 or 33, right? He had a 970. MGE put it in chat. 970 save percentage? Yeah. How many of those were actually high danger chances? Well, they, 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 they the Islanders were generating right off the, like They're in the first three, shots. in the first shift, right? They come out of the game, they, they come out of the gate, they come out hard. They take those two shots. Skinner makes two decent saves, lets in the third one on what was a really good shot from Matt Barzal. And again, if that's the True. only goal you're going to let in, I'm absolutely fine by that. But throughout the game, the Islanders definitely got their chances. Like in that third period, right after McDavid had that chance from the Bouchard, you know, jump assist, what a basketball assist, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Brock <laughs> Nelson broke in on an odd man rush and just about did mm. the same backhand into the net that Leon Drysaddle almost put in in the first period, right? First like period. it's the, the Islanders had their chances. Stu was solid. I was very happy to see. And you know what? The Oilers were able to pick up the pressure off that. They didn't. They bent. They absolutely didn't break. Hyman, Kane, and Drysaddle went in. They cycled. They created some chances. And then all of a sudden, the Islanders get it out. Holmstrom slew Kulak. The Oilers go to their first power play. And the, what was their actual first power play of the game? Because the first right, not the three second count. power play. Uh, and then you know Hyman Hyman puts it in but the key to this goal was it was from 97 and 29 they what they not they in the last 9 games or 10 games now they had one goal combined from each other yeah this what? changes everything if these guys are going which after this game i'm prepared to say they're fully back absolutely louis stole the words from me they are fully back seeing that goal changed everything this is one of those games where you get the monkey off the back it's not like one of those games where it's 9-1 against san jose and all got everyone scores you needed two guys to do what they normally do for you and tonight they did that and this is how you get rolling this is how this team gets rolling i still think there are holes but this that yeah. that, that goal was the that that goal was what sealed the night for me what you, made me you super gotta... happy you got to build, right? Like you got to build mm-hmm. on it. And uh, we mentioned the the dry sidle goal in the first. I think a lot of that confidence came fl- flowing back into dry sidle. He was doing a lot more of those passes. Um, the one that was that was uh, capitalized on by McDavid. Obviously, that was just a lights out pass, right? Cross cross the entire stretch of the ice from blue line to blue line. But even before that, he was trying a lot of these behind you know blind passes that he's so famous for mm-hmm. that dry was so famous for in the past connecting with guys yeah. with this telepathic sort of link um and none more than mcdavid but having that first assist for mcdavid that was also a great pass like he mm-hmm. he sauced that to hyman it was Absolutely. airborne and hyman batted out of the air that all five guys on that power play unit were have been struggling at certain points in this season Every single person touched the puck 
and that ended up in the back of the net. It was an absolutely perfect power play goal that we saw, no, no joke, one million times last season. And the Oilers are a team that needs their power play to be going to see any sort of sustained success. Like, obviously, we want their 5-on-5 scoring to get better, and hopefully it does improve down the stretch under Knobloh as they work on new systems and establish different things and what to do and whatever. But that power play, Glenn Gullitson's still here. That power play is not changing. And to see them score, that was awesome. Then, after that power play, Oilers buzzing. Put out the put it on the pressure, still. Pollock, uh, delay a game, right back yep. to the power play. And like you were talking about, that mental connection that Leon Draisaitl had that for the last 13 games, you know, every time he'd make that pass would end up on the stick of the opposition. All of a sudden, Connor in flight gets the puck from Leon Draisaitl. What was that? A 60-foot pass across the yeah, ice like... through a ton of people. And Connor streaks in, gets a lot, puts it through Sorokin, gets a bounce, goes finally goes his way, puts it in. Two-point game for Connor. First since what October 25th, they said on the broadcast. And this is a different team. They yeah, that's what they needed. Like this is the situation, right? You look at just just the box scores, and you see Drysaddle had a four-point night. He contributed on every single Oilers goal. McDavid had two points on the night. That's what we're used to seeing. And if the Oilers want to win hockey games, like unfortunately, that's gonna be how it's done mm -hmm. i want to give credit where credit's due you know kane had a great night as well absolutely hyman Let the team hyman has goals. just hyman's their leading goal scorer was his 10th goal in the yeah. year unreal uh i don't know how after many, the hat but... trick he had six seven eight oh that might be his nine but yeah like these guys are picking up the pace we're finally seeing a little bit of a regression to the mean the oilers are finally back into the swing of things how mm -hmm. the oilers play is and there an effect of Woody getting fired and I that don't waking know. up the team? I don't know. I want to. I want to say. I. I. I'd say twenty-five percent. I would say twenty. Twenty-five to thirty percent. But also, it's it's getting consistent goaltending. I, I like like you cannot understate like MGD and Chad was talking about the flurry in the second period that Stuart Skinner came up big on, and you cannot understate the value of not having every chance against end up in the back of your net. Like the mental stress that that causes knowing that if you make a single mistake, that it is going to end up in the back of your net, of your net <laughs> will mess up your entire game. When you see your goalie allow you to make saves, it allows you to be free. It allows you to go play. It allows you to try stuff offensively. And if it doesn't work out, you're going to get back defensively, but also you have that belief that your goalie will make a save. Obviously, with Jack Campbell, he was here. He never had that belief. But uh, also, the other player that people are debating in chat is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. And you know what? Another thing mm. that the Oilers did well tonight, and obviously the Islanders aren't offensive juggernauts, but power play for the, the penalty kill went, went three for three, right? Yep. Ryan Eugene Hopkins, key part to that early in the game, Ryan Eugene Hopkins hit a post. I thought Ryan Eugene Hopkins was great uh, in puck battles in the offensive zone and puck retrievals. One thing I will say, uh, just in terms of that first line that uh, Chris Knobloch was icing with that Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Gagne line. I thought Nuge and McDavid were really good. I thought Gagne was in above his head. I don't think Connor, uh, Sam Gagne is long for that spot. I, he, here's the situation, right? Like, obviously, when you signed Gagne, I don't think anyone expected him to be playing first line, lining up with McDavid for anything more than just one or two shifts a night, right? 
But Ganya, I think, brings a different attitude to that line. Mm-hmm. The the it's hard to overstate just how much energy and flow of a hockey uh, contributes to the hockey game. I think if Gagne is not on that line, do we maybe see RNH not throwing as many hits? Like well, not my only digging thing for is, pucks as much? It, 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 like I like Sam Gagne and I think he's very effective. Like I would like, like if Dylan Holloway's out for a prolonged period of time, I think he could excel in that spot. Like when I saw Derek Ryan kind of take uh, 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 Dylan Holloway's spot, I thought he was really effective in that role in the time that he was there on the ice. But Sam Gagne just doesn't have the foot speed uh, and the ability to make plays at the pace in which Ryan Eugene Hopkins and Connor McDavid can. I think that even Connor Brown might be more effective on that line, even though he hasn't seen that tangible like success in the terms of actual goals and assists. I like it, when he's back. I think that's spot. I, I just pray to God if if I see Matthias Yanmark up there, I'm I'm oh. starting the fire Noblo trade. Because <laughs> well, no, we're not we're not we're not playing that game. <laughs> we're not playing that game. I'd love to see Raphael Lavoie in that spot. And you know what? Another thing is that was pointed yeah. out by a lot of people. James Han- five minutes left, two goal game. James Hamblin, Raphael Lavoie are on the ice. The coach you know is showing what? I trust love in that. that. That here's the situation, right? You have Lavoie who's who's come up. He hasn't done a whole lot, but that doesn't mean you cut his ice time, right? He's doing all the right things. He's going out there. He's throwing the body there. I thought the um, the play to close out the game, it's it's four one, right? You're not expecting New York to even try because at that point they were just kind of hanging back and defending. Yeah. Lavoie still drives the net. He He's looking for that. He he's was, creating he's putting chances. In effort. I think he needs to be a little bit more physical. He's not the most fleet of foot player. Um, I also I would love to see him get a a game with like sustained, not taken off the line, not just one shift here, one shift there. Even just with McLeod and Fogel, you know, like I'd love to see what Lavlaw would look up up there, just as the pure shooter on a line. Because uh, like I love James Hamblin, but James Hamblin is kind of a thirteenth forward kind of player right now like james hamlin isn't really creating so much in the offensive zone Derek ryan is more complimentary in the offensive zone he can't really be the primary driver on that line and lavoie obviously is a shooter i'd love to see what lavoie looks like up there i think in time especially if holloway's out we're gonna get some different looks here uh we're gonna see what happens when brown comes back uh i wonder what's gonna happen to mitchie's yanmark because that was one of jay's puppies and uh he could do no wrong and I know in the eyes of a lot of Oilers fans, he isn't the most effective player by any means in any regard. Kind of a Swedish Adam Ernie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, I would love to see. Situ- like the situation with Yanmark is also a strange one, right? He he was brought in as like this penalty killer. He's a guy that you just plug a couple minutes in, but he hasn't done well in that role, right? The the PK has been bad, just mm-hmm. flat out. We can call it what it is. It, it's been horrible. And I think when you look at what Yanmark sometimes brings, if he's on his game, he's fast skating. He goes up the ice with like a gusto to him. But so much of the time, and it happened last season, it happened this season, he's mostly invisible. If you see him in some way, shape, or form, it's usually in the negative. 
right? Yeah. So is it worth it to keep a guy there who occasionally gets really hot? I don't think so. I'd rather an average performer than a sort of hot and cold guy. But mm -hmm. that's a coaching decision. That's like a very individual decision. If you prefer people who get streaky versus someone who's very average, right? And you saw Woodcroft really like what Yanmark brings. And I don't think there's any connection between Knobloch and, and Yanmark as far as I know. So we'll see what happens. We don't know Yanmark's return no, schedule No, it's yet, very, right? very ominous. But I also don't think anyone cares enough to really ask. So uh, we'll see what happens there. We got like 50 people watching. We only got like 18 likes. I haven't said this earlier. I should have said this earlier. But uh, you guys want to hit like. We really appreciate it. It's nothing, again, nothing is going to ever beat, uh, at least until the others, you know, let's... Let's get to 500 before we start talking about the playoffs, <laughs> but um, nothing will beat the embarrassment loser bowl that me and you did two games ago, which has, I believe, 10,000 views now, has the most liked broadcast in Game Over history. Uh, awesome. Congratulations, Dennis. That that was a fun show to do. I've never sworn so much on a broadcast. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I, I was literally red hot. If someone asked me 10 seconds after the show was done, what I'd said on that show, I genuinely would not be able to tell you. I was so unbelievably furious. I haven't been that mad in, I do not even know how long that was. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> Misery loves company, right? Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> you saw it firsthand there. But I do want to thank you to all the loyal fans. If it's if you've been here for all of last season and all of this season, thank you. If you're new here, thank you for coming back for another game. We we're trying our best to grow you know, hockey broadcasting other than what's on television, right? Mm -hmm. So uh big shout out to you guys yeah. without without the likes, without the views. Uh, this channel wouldn't be where it is. And uh, obviously, big news. I, I wanted to just interrupt our Oilers talk to uh, congratulate the guys over at SDPN Central because they got their first credentials. I oh, mean, yeah. Steve and Drew going to the, the game in Sweden. Super That's exciting. incredible. Big shout out to them as well. Uh, but Let's get back to the Oilers, right? Let's get back well, to the meat and potatoes. I, what I want to say is, well, I, MGU was mentioning this in chat a bit earlier, but my NHL.com hadn't updated. So for some, or my NHL.com still hasn't, but I, I don't know what's wrong with it. But apparently Evan Bouchard was the highest, uh, uh, played the most out of any Oiler, but my NHL.com still says Cody CC. So never mind. I I don't know what uh, what uh, what's there. That's odd. But yeah, no. I, I, I I think it might be, uh, are you looking at 5v5 or? No, I'm looking at just NHL.com, like TOI. It's, I'm not on Natural Snatchick or Money Puck or anything right now. Just weird, so, very weird. But if Evan Bouchard way, played the highest, awesome to see. <laughs> if Cody CC played the highest, either way, neither of them are named Darnell Nurse. I think that's a really notable thing going forward. Right? Because he was, he was the horse. The other thing, too, is... I I briefly mentioned it earlier, but I love the distribution of ice time. Again, Bouchard, CC, Ekholm, Nurse. That's what I have in in reverse order. Um, I feel like when you have guys that are playing more, they're more engaged in the game. They're obviously their legs aren't as cold. Uh, Bouchard and and Ekholm, I think they've been 
great. I mean, Ekholm stepped it up so much since earlier on in the season. I think tonight he looked he, way, way better. Best he's looked all year. Best he's looked and all year. You've mentioned CC as well. I think whatever, whoever's whispering in his ear, whether it's Paul Coffey or whether it's uh, Knobloch. Paul Coffey bent over and said, tonight. play like me. Here's a video of me from 1987. <laughs> Do this. And he did. You you see this ring on my hand? Yeah, exactly. Play like me and maybe you'll win one. You want one of these, boy? You want one of these? Like, Do better, this, stupid. This is, this is you know, what we need out of the Oilers lineup. Nurse, I feel like, had a great game as well. Nurse CC, Bouchard Ekholm. Like, all we need is stability on the defensive side. We just don't want to to have a game where every opportunity like you said is going in the back of the net defense plays a part in that as well as the goaltending and with good goaltending from Stu tonight good at even like good to average defending from our defensive core we're gonna see this oilers core score more than the opposition theoretically yeah and win games i mean it'll be interesting to see how they play against a team that's you know more offensively inclined obviously seattle coming up um that'll be a, they're they're obviously a better offensively I, don't, I mean this year not as much but still better than the york islanders and then i believe on saturday a matinee against tampa bay so we're gonna get to see them challenge a bit more and i, I don't believe tampa's had the hottest start of the year by any means either but Tampa is not the this year's New York Islanders. So it's right. going to be interesting to see because, again, the defense played well. Stu played well. Now, offensively, they went significant portions of time without generating a shot or a high danger chance. Like, you would, you would ideally like them to be able to sustain more pressure and ge still generate more with the talent that they have. I still believe a finisher is necessary. Um, probably a change in the dimension in the bottom six will happen at some point, you know, a, a bigger, more physical player, but obviously those are few and far between. Uh, so who, who knows there, um, defense, you'd like to see an upgrade on the right side, but still the number one, most obvious, most gaping hole on the roster is the goalie. Because again, we, I, I think we both believe that if the Oilers play to the with the to the potential that they have over the next you know 10 15 games they could probably um maintain a relatively good record with Stuart Skinner putting up just average numbers but we've seen Stuart Skinner and obviously he's a year older and he's a young guy but we've seen what happens with him in the playoffs i don't think anyone in oil country really has faith in him to the degree of uh, a, a number one starting goalie that you would pay $5 million, a la what Jack Campbell should have been, um, to go into the playoffs again. Like, you still want them to go out and take that big swing and, you know, overpay like crazy and get that number one goalie. And I, I think that will happen. They're one of two things that can happen. One thing makes him pessimistic. One thing scares me that Stuart Skinner is either Stuart Skinner is going to play well and buy them time to make a better deal and find a better goalie, or Stuart Skinner is going to play well and they're going to trick themselves into thinking they have a starting goalie and they don't need to acquire one. And then we go in the playoffs and then all of a sudden you have to score six goals. Your power play needs to be 60% for you to win anything. So I don't know which one happens, honestly, but 
possibility. It's so early. It's impossible to tell at this rate, right? But one of the situations that I have seen, and it's it's I'm not going to credit anyone. It's not from any names that I've I've given any credibility to, but a couple of folks on Oilers Twitter have mentioned that the Predators do have a couple of staff at the game tonight. See, so, I didn't know. See, I saw those tweets. Yeah. But I don't know if I believe <laughs> them. Right. It's not anyone credible. But at the same time, it is a little odd to see more than one person talk about it. Obviously, I know I can't recognize it any of the scouting from any team by face. I don't know them well enough. But if that is true, you know the Oilers would kill to have Soros. I would I kill just don't see how you make Soros. it work. I I there is a path to make it work. There is a path to make it work. You you can make it work even without moving Campbell. You gotta be creative. Um what have we said a million times before? Um, yeah, that could happen. Um, obviously, but yeah. With with being creative, we know it's probably not Ken Holland making the calls now, right? Everything, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Is probably Jeff Jackson. He's there so, in name and face only. Yeah, just I, run out your ten year old man. We're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna embarrass you after the season. We'll let you ride it out. We're not gonna embarrass you with the firing, but. Pretty much, I don't know how many hands Ken Holland has on the wheel. I think the assistant coach might have more hands on the wheel than Ken Holland right now. So, you know, that kind of says it all right there. Uh, one more time, we got almost 60 people watching now. Go ahead. If you haven't already, hit like. We really appreciate it. We're kind of going to wrap it up. It's a weeknight. Um, yeah, we appreciate you being there. It really isn't too much. It was kind of a boring game. Obviously, it was Chris Nobles' first NHL win, but it was against the Islanders. Although, Jay Woodcroft beat the Islanders 3-1 in his first game, and now Chris Nobles beats the Islanders 4-1. So, does that mean Chris Nobles will last an extra four games as Oilers head coach? Um, who knows? Four seasons as Oilers head coach? Who knows what that means? Um, but, uh, yeah, any questions in chat? I'll kind of jump into the press conference here. Let's get into the presser. I mean, the, the MGD asks, a, well, not really a question, but I'm going to spin it as one. Uh, MGD obviously says Bennington is the goalie that they were saying the Oilers are going after. If you have the option, right, if if Soros is on the market, you go for Soros. But oh, even if he's Bennington... not on the market, you say, what do I have that will get this guy on the market? You say... Here is a, a bank loan that I've got. Here is every single possible thing. You you but pay you pay the, you offer to pay the predators utility bills for the next ten years. <laughs> you do whatever you can. I don't care if it's a pipe dream. Obviously, the, 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 this is this is the guy. You're if you have even a five percent chance that they would move this guy, this is a top five goalie in the NHL. This team with a top five goalie in the NHL is a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. With Skinner exactly. and Campbell, they are pretenders. I hate to say it, but that, that just is what it is. Uh, one thing so, I saw here, let me ask let's, let me ask you this. Sorry. I saw okay. I'm gonna spin this as a question. I saw David W. Will the Oilers even see playoff action? So the Oilers have won back to back games, Dennis. They're now four nine and one, seventy two or sixty eight, nine and one, whatever is still on the table. Um, what do you think? Look, have your 
feelings changed. Here's the situation, right? It is 14 games into the season. The math doesn't look good. But at the same time, this is a team that has McDavid and Dreisaitl. I never want to bet against a team that has McDavid and Dreisaitl. If obviously they're not off to the best start, they don't have the incredible pace that they're used to. McDavid's looking at what, like a 70 something point pace? Like, well, to an, two to points an tonight. Player. Two points tonight. <laughs> to an average player, that's good. To McDavid, I'm sure this you, you can maybe gauge based on his reactions. I feel like he realizes that's unacceptable of himself. It's like he a 55% places, drop off from last year. Yeah, he places so much pressure on himself. Uh, I think if they get back to average, right? And and this is assuming that McDavid is not injured for any particular extra length of time, um, that he can recover to his sense of normal. And that Dreisaitl also has the same situation. This monkey off his back after this game. If McDavid and Dreisaitl are back to form, if they get average goaltending, whether it's Skinner, somehow Campbell, Pickard, Bennington, Soros, whoever it might be, right? Markstrom, I see MGD putting, putting it in chat. Whoever it might be, if they get average goaltending, if they get just over 900, 910 goaltending, I wouldn't count them out. I still think the Oilers have a valid chance. Nine ten goaltending, they go undefeated. They <laughs> literally they go undefeated with nine ten goaltending. Uh, obviously, I don't know who brought up Ilya Samsonov. No one's touching Ilya Samsonov. I mean, he's young, but yeah, no. Uh, Mickinators, Patrick Kane coming the oil, a dead dream. Absolutely, Patrick Kane will not touch a team that is under five hundred. Uh, and you know what, like. He's old. He's. It would be cool. He'd do some cool stuff. It'd be cool in name, I'm sure. But you know, for everyone who complains about defense, like I don't know if Patrick Kane is necessarily the finisher that the Oilers are missing on offense. I'm sure there's better options on the right wing for them than Patrick Kane currently. Would it be cool if he wanted to come here cheap? Absolutely. But the Buffalo, Florida, Dallas, Detroit, New York. Like there's many teams. Off Unless the Oilers are undefeated, uh, I don't think like there's. Yeah, this is not a place that Patrick Kane would touch. Un, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, um, it, it's yeah, like the situation with the Oilers is they've gotten hope now, right? Oh, Earlier yeah. on in the season, you heard us talk about how the Oilers, whenever they go down two goals, it just seems like the sky has fallen and we're never going to get back to it. Um, now I'm getting a bit of hope. Two games you know ago? What? Oh, sorry. You, you finished. Sorry. No, no all good. Uh, that, you know what? I'm just going to say hope is the most dangerous thing. Yeah. After living through the decade of darkness, but by God, we're back. Literally, Dennis, two days ago, I sat in this chair and I said, the McDavid and Dreisaitl era is over. It's <laughs> done. We've lost. We fucked up. It's over. It's done. Their Oilers are finished. Fold the franchise. And gonna play two the wins dome. later, they fire the coach. Two wins later, they beat the Kraken and the New York Islanders. And I'm sitting here today saying I believe they're going to make the playoffs. Man. <laughs> We're so back. Baby. Oh, we are so back. And wait till the next loss when I sit here and say it is over. 
we're it's so jover you know what this is what it's like being an oilers fan we're we got our ups we got our downs obviously uh i it is a a poor night for uh woodcroft and manson i hope you know what they're gonna get drops right like let's be honest (laughs) none of this was on woody's case um but we have to move on it is now the knoblock era i'm sad to see him go but if you know what if this is what it needed then this is the needed uh happy to see it go because right now we are so back Oh, yeah. uh, let's see how it goes next game yeah, uh it's absolutely. it's wednesday um 6 30 again puck drop another <laughs> earlier Weird. game but uh yeah seattle is coming into town zach we'll be back again for absolutely. that one awesome looking forward to it i'm looking forward to seeing you guys again in chat thank you so much for watching tonight um one more time if if you like the show if you want to see us grow and support us click that like button Mm-hmm. It's free to do. Subscribe to the channel. Really Zach, where can they it. find you? You'll find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Dennis, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever, at Dennis Lee Y-E-G. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. We will see you on Wednesday after the game against Seattle. Look forward to it. Hopefully, it's another win. Hopefully, we keep this ball rolling because for now, we are so back. Play La Bamba. Let's play La Bamba. Game!